You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Rapoff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and here with me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here, and uh, maybe maybe not um, like as much during this week, but uh, towards the end of the week, and certainly today, it started to feel like fall, right? Yeah, so. excellent. Uh, I didn't like Monday to Thursday. Thursday wasn't my favorite temperature wise because I went to a baseball game (laughs) you did it was good weather for a baseball game you were at Citizens Bank Park to see the Phillies win uh, which was which was good we like that around here and both of us wearing shirts that we didn't you know we didn't plan on this but it's that time of year for the second year year in a row Justin hey not complaining keep it rolling I did talk with uh Sponsor of the show and guest of the show, Mike Drago, this afternoon. And, uh, of course, he is very downtrodden Yes, uh, at the moment. Yes. Uh, at the time, it was just about the game one loss. Um, yeah, the vaunted AL East uh, still looking for the first playoff win. <laughs> rough, but, you know, both of us here are supporters of the Orioles. Oh, absolutely. As long as it doesn't impact the Phillies fandom. Exactly. So, uh we uh we feel bad like uh like Mike does at the at the moment, but uh, otherwise, in non Orioles baseball related yeah. things are going pretty good. Yeah, we'll take it. You no, know, though Penn State didn't lose this weekend, didn't have a game bye week. Both our NFL fandoms uh, are are riding high. We both get to celebrate victory Monday Keep tomorrow. Going. A few weeks could be rough. Uh. <laughs> you know why it could be really rough? Yes. Well, the Phillies could. Maybe still be playing, which will make things really anxious. We'll have guests on the show. At least that's the plan, depending on what happens with uh, the Phillies. We could be moving times around. I hope that's a problem what we have to have. If it's, It'll be a good problem. Yeah, if it's October, what, 20, 22nd or whatever that would be, two weeks from now, and we're worrying about will the show overlap with playoff baseball, that's a good sign Yes, as – Jeff Reinhardt and Mike Drago will be joining us for a preview of the Manheim Township game. That's in two weeks. But also that Sunday night, if we would be broadcasting at that time, the Dolphins and Eagles play each other. Oh, gosh. So, all, all in fun, right? It, we don't take it too seriously. Yeah, that's like the the one fantasy football league I'm in. I it has This is just for fun in the title, and so every time... We get downtrodden, including the last two weeks. This week, I'm just getting blown out. Um, and I'm just like, just remember, everyone, it's just for fun. <laughs> I'm sure everyone takes that real, oh, well, yeah, real yeah. well. I just hope both teams have fun. <laughs> Most importantly, though, here for a fifth straight Wilson victory. Yes. So victory Sunday here on the Bulldog Hour happening down in Landisville for a very long time. The game took... Forever. We didn't even get pizza. We didn't get pizza at our normal. We go to Parma Pizza after every time Wilson beats Hempfield because they've never lost down at Hempfield when when we've been in attendance. Go to the pizza place, but we couldn't have that opportunity because the game wasn't even over until they close. 
I'm really glad we weren't able to schedule a pickup. Oh yeah, I don't know what we would have done. I guess we lost our. I guess we lose our pizza. We would, no, we would have had to send someone to go pick it up. <laughs> yeah, who? I don't know. We find someone. So uh, no, no celebration pizza, but celebration nonetheless because Wilson got the win, forty nine thirty four over the Hempfield Black Knights. Interesting game, which we will talk about here momentarily. But win is a win, five and two on the season, five straight wins in a row for the Bulldogs, which means that for another year, the streak lives on. The non-losing streak continues. It started back in 1964 with John Gursky's first season in West Lawn. That streak lives to see another day. Yeah. Wilson got to five wins again. We'll search for win number six this Friday against Penn Manor, in which they can ensure a winning season which would extend that streak as well and those two things are always at the top of people's minds once the uh, calendar hits october so all in all positive things to talk about on the show tonight but before we do that we do want to thank sponsors of the bulldog hour here for season nine my dad bill mays and mays sandwich shop as well as white star tours appreciate them stepping up and presenting the show here in season nine. In addition to May Sandwich Shop and White Star Tours, we want to thank Mike Drago and MikeDragosports.com, the Hop family, Andy Her, and our five anonymous donors. Really appreciate all the support year in, year out from many of those same individuals who never want to be uh, known, but we know and we uh, thank you and appreciate it. There are many ways you can help us here on the show with sponsorships, advertising, in-kind donations, visiting the website, bulldoghour.com, and make sure you uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Wilson Bulldogs Football. have a lot of stuff on there, not just the podcast, but other Wilson football videos as well. We talked about that a little bit last week, and make sure you're downloading the podcast version of the show on Apple Podcasts. And we're all now not just on Spotify podcast, but that has been shifted over or in tandem with regular Spotify. Apparently, a lot of people listen to podcasts like this show on Spotify, Spotify podcast. So that's cool. I, you know, I'm, an, I'm an Apple guy. I have a, I've been using Apple podcasts for a long time, but Spotify apparently is the place to be for podcasts right now. And the Bulldog Hour is on there. So make sure you hit us up there. And of course, our normal social media channels, Facebook Twitter slash X, Instagram, all those things. You can uh, you can hit us up with Jamin's, Justin's favorite. I don't know where I got that. Yeah, like and share, <laughs> right? Spread the word. Helps us uh, kind of figure out what, what you like and what you want more. All right. Uh, I just posted the photo album from the win at Hempfield across social media. So you can check that out there. Um Yes, I did want to mention that as well. So thank you. I got a, a YouTube comment from Thomas Deeds. He said, congrats on the shout on the TV coverage of the game. Uh, my dad actually was keeping me in the know of what was happening on the Fox 43 broadcast on High School Sports Live, HSSLiveTV.com, which PCN actually rebroadcast the game last night. I, I forgot to DVR it. That's my bad. I'm thinking that right now. I just realized I didn't do that. Uh, but obviously, YouTube has an archive of that. I would like to go back and, and scrub through the game and hear exactly what they said. And my dad said, I think they mentioned this at least two, maybe three times throughout the broadcast, which is fantastic. So if anyone from Fox 43 in the high school 
sports live group, uh, you know, ever wants to join us on the Bulldog Hour, we would. We're always yeah. looking for guests, yeah, we'll especially especially in the off season. You know, that, right. that would be a fun show to do. We we have a list of guests we always would like to invite on when we do stuff in you know February, April, and June leading up to the new season. A uh, couple former former players uh, we're going to talk about getting on the show this off season. A uh, few. Uh, History people that I'd like to reach out to already have maybe lined up, but any other media folk would like to join us on the show, uh, we would love to to have them. And uh, the Fox 43 and High School Sports Live did, did a fantastic job, and uh, apparently they 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 watch the show, so yeah, we'll take it. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, the next live show will be next Saturday, so day change. We we think it's going to be in our normal time. That may change. Uh, it's my annual trek on Sunday to Knobles with my family. So we're shifting the broadcast of this show where we'll recap the game against Penn Manor and preview the game against McCaskey a day earlier. So we'll be live next on Saturday, October 14th. We think at 8.30, but if that changes, we will certainly post about it. All right, Justin, deep in the thick of it now. 2023 schedule up, yeah. and we are we are seven weeks down prepping for game eight here in uh, – by the time we play the comments, mid October. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. Um, winding down that second and and last for now column. Um, hopefully, I mean, I doubt you'll make another uh, graphic, but we'll <laughs> hopefully we'll have plenty of uh, bracket analysis as we uh, hopefully continue have plenty of episodes left. But yeah, that regular season is winding down, kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe it feels like it takes forever to get here, and then football season just breezes by, at least for people that like football season. Yes. Uh, other people, like maybe our family, not super thrilled all the time with the uh, immense amount of time and effort we put into football coverage and football consuming uh, from the end of August through, well, when you're talking pro, really, into February. Uh, yeah. But really, it's September, October, November, I feel like, our peak, peak football season. That's when I'm... You know, really, really tuned in, especially yeah. when Wilson's still playing. Um, but we'll talk about the Penn Manor Comets, the next opponent here briefly. Uh, but up first, we will talk about the Hemfield game. And maybe the most important thing outside of the win for the 2023 Bulldogs was offensive coordinator, longtime Bulldogs assistant coach Jeremy Palm with the win against the Black Knights. That was his 200th on the staff with the Bulldogs. Uh, maybe an asterisk there. There's a little bit of a gray area with his uh, official start date uh, because he was on the staff with uh, Southern Junior High uh, back in the day, uh, but also was helping with the high school. Um, but for our our purposes and what the stat book had said for a long time, he started in 2004. So this was his 20th season, and he's already won 200 games. You're averaging 10 wins a season. That's a pretty good career. Yeah, uh, and – you made a graphic, so it's official now. Yeah, right? right. Once the graphic is made, like you, you know, we wash our hands, and that's it's official. This is right. this is what we're going by. So, congratulations, Coach Palm, on 200 wins as a Wilson football assistant coach. Uh, was, I mean, that's that's a huge number, and to just to think, if you look at the stats book, he trails a bunch of people in that category, including a couple that are on the staff right now. Right. That one is also the head coach, but. You know, before he became the head coach, he racked up a lot of wins as an assistant coach, too. Yes, yes. All right, and now we're going to try. I, I do apologize. Once again, we have no interviews despite the win. Why? Well, because 
the game got over so late and the team and coaches had to walk so far to get to the buses and get out of there. And we're also getting kicked off the field because the Hemfield band was supposed to play for homecoming. There was no time to to talk to anyone. So that's unfortunate because there are a bunch of guys that we haven't talked to yet or much at all this year that we want to, but barring some awful weather or or something else, we will get them in the next few weeks. The game lasted longer than NFL games. Like it was, yeah, it was, the event, long. yeah, the event took a long, long time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a little, so, little brutal. Wish we could do that, but it just uh, wasn't in the cards. For, Unfortunately, uh, for yeah. this game. Unfortunately, it wasn't. But we do congratulate congratulate Coach Palm on the milestone victory. All right, let's talk about the game, Justin, and get things started here. It couldn't have started much better for Wilson. No, Quickly got yeah. out to a twenty-one nothing lead. Right. And I believe everyone cheering for the red and white was thinking, hey, we're putting together a complete game. This is the way we needed to start. This is the way we wanted to see things go against a team that we thought we were better than. At least I think most people thought that with the way that the season had been trending and the results so far. We expected to win the game. And it was nice to come out of the gate and show that the expectations were being met, at least initially. Yeah, it was a really fast start um, and kind of – Contributions from every every kind of aspect there. Uh, offense was getting it done. Um, had some nice special teams plays. It, it just it things were rolling and it uh, it seemed to be going really well. Um, you know, jump out to that twenty one nothing lead and able to kind of handle our business and and take care of uh, what we needed to do. Yeah, uh, and. Yeah, what what do you say? You jump out three touchdown lead, things things are going pretty good. Right. Um, let's see if I can pull. I'm gonna get the video up so we can see some of the highlights from the game, which I think would be uh, would be fun here. So let me see if I can can do that here quickly. Yeah. There's so a like recap. All right. Yeah, we got yeah, it here. Let's uh, let's uh, move that over and take a look. It's some video recap, and Justin and I will talk about it. All right, so Wilson started out strong, uh, got a nice uh, opening drive, some passes from Tommy Hunsaker to Jackson Wagner, would finish the first drive with a touchdown pass to Maddox Gruber, and you can already see a theme here. Tommy Hunsaker, again, having a great night. Uh, Amazing uh, spinning moves by him to get out of trouble, connecting with Maddox. Maddox also had a big night. We'll get to the stats shortly. Uh, but Wilson was up 7-0 quickly. Hunsaker to Jackson Wagner again gets him down inside the 10. Wilson would go up 14-0 on a touchdown from Corral Akings. Then they'd force a punt. Edison Case would field at midfield and take it to the house. And with about four minutes to play in the first quarter, Wilson was up 21-0. Now, Hempfield would strike back, cut it to 21-7. to uh, and eventually Wilson would extend it to 28 to 7 before Hemphill would fight back to 28-14 and then just before halftime after Hemphill had cut it to a two touchdown lead for Wilson Hunsaker would connect with Gruber again for a huge 80-yard score to go into halftime 35 to 14 Hemphill would stick around though the entire game and always fight back in some manner um, why is this score never right? Like, I don't right, understand. Right. Ignore the, all that stuff because none of it is right. I'm not sure what exactly goes on. Uh, if you're watching this, the huddle 
stat recap is never right. I, I don't understand because the score wasn't even right. Kind right. of an important thing to get right. right. Uh, but at least the highlights were good. We got to see some touchdowns, which right. is good. Right. But yeah, 49-34 was the final. Wilson on top, 15 points. Most of the way, it was a 21-22 point lead. Yeah, it kept fluctuating between two and three scores. Um, you know, Hemphill would cut it to two, and then Wilson would generally go down and bump it back up to three, um, which which is great. But, um, you know, when, when you jump out to 21 nothing, you, you have this hope that, oh, we'll just keep expanding on this. Now, you know, a lot went wrong for Hemphill early on, too. So, you know, that, that could be that could be where part of that's coming from. Uh, But it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things you, you wish it could have gone a little bit differently. Um, But you also saw glimpses of what Hemfield kind of thought they were going to have going. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's just, yeah, it's kind of weird in the sense of, well, yeah, I, I don't know. They're they're a weird team to figure out a bit too. We and we talked about this last week on their preview show, but a team that won the section last year, they they did lose a a number of guys, but at the same time, they like they return their quarterback, return their top receiver, and return uh power five D line commit. You know, like right. so just it's a little different. But Yeah, it is. And um I'm scrubbing through here because there's a there's certainly a play that I found it. Hooray. So we're going to take a look at this one, Justin. Um, so Because you're a glutton for punishment? Well, yeah, just like if you weren't at the game or you weren't watching the, the Fox 43 High School Sports live stream, you're probably wondering – you're probably not wondering. Well, no, you've heard about it because <laughs> someone that you talked to about the game had to have brought it up. Um, it was – Late in the, the game, late in the fourth quarter, Wilson was on defense. Hemphill was trying to cut it to uh, a two-score lead again. Wilson was up by 22 or something mm-hmm. like that at the time. And they were not quite – no, they were in the red zone. They were inside the 20. They were at yep. Wilson's like 16 or 17. Defense had been bending, hadn't broken yet on the drive, trying to get a stop. And for all intents and purposes, that is exactly what happened. So let me uh, play uh, this passing play right there. If you're watching, you see Adam Woods gets the interception and uh, everything seems good and grand and, and wonderful. Wilson stops, get the ball back up three scores, run offense, run some clock probably move on, but that's not what happened because despite the officiating crew spotting the ball, changing the directions of the chains and the Wilson offense on the field, there was eventually a huddle by the officiating crew. Only two of them. They Well, they all ended up walking okay, over okay, eventually. Okay. And after they had been talking for what felt like a long time, may have only been 15 seconds, a flag was thrown and they threw up, they like dropped it and then threw it back farther, which like, well, what's that penalty on? And where is that coming from? Was something said? Like, is this right. a personal or a, a unsportsmanlike conduct? Is like, was there chirping going? No one has any idea what's going on because they keep standing there and talking. 
Well, then you see the head ref walk over, and he was kind of shaded by the Wilson offensive huddle. But from the other side, I see, and other people saw him signal pass interference on Wilson. And again, the ball had been spotted for Wilson offense. The Wilson offense was on the field, and the change had changed direction for Wilson to be on offense before any of this happened. So, of course, the coaches and the players and the fans are going nuts because we have no idea what just happened. No one saw anything on the field. There was no flag during the action or even just after the action. This was literally after the stoppage. Like The, the, the game had stopped. There was a change of possession. And the head official came over to talk to an irate coach, Doms, uh, which Fox 43 said was uh, justified because despite what they called, there is no proof of anything that they said being true. Uh, there's no pass interference in the video. And what was told to our coaches is proven incorrect in the video. Not just that there was a pass interference, but the explanation is a lie. So I have no idea what to say about that. Um, it's not, in the end, it doesn't matter. The game was right. won, but you expect there to be a consistency to the games. There was also a weird, there were a lot of weird moments like this. Um, for example, like one of the, when you played the game recap, um, when you played the game recap, that was the play that they flagged um, for us a late hit on that touchdown when our lineman had just blocked the guy. Mm hmm. And blocked him. And when when that play happened, I was watching it. Like, I could see it happen. And they didn't throw the flag right away. Their player got up and complained to the official. And then he threw the flag. And I honestly thought that, oh, that kid got flagged for, compl like, for talking to the official or for, like, yelling at the official. Because it was that far removed from the actual play that that's what I thought. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was so far back that that's what they were that that's what they were like calling. And no, they they called it there. At another time, and I think they they may have ended up you know, what Hemfield had a big fourth down conversion that they flagged and then they waved off the flag. Um now that one I think that pass may have been behind the line of scrimmage and that might be why they ended up picking up that flag. But like it just, um, I like that this is just looping over and over. Yeah, again. yeah. It just seemed there were, there were some interesting decisions made. I, I I'll, I'll leave it at that. The, I, the I explanation know. that we were told was that the umpire w wanted to throw the flag but was unable to get to the flag, like that it was caught or he missed it, and then. But at no point anywhere do you see any official go for a flag at all. Right. And the person that supposedly was doing this, the umpire who is watching the line of scrimmage, okay. like that's his job. And you see him doing that. He doesn't even turn until the ball is past him. He had no way of seeing if there was a supposed pass interference. Right. So none of what they said holds up. Um, it, it was just inexplicable. And there was no reasoning for it. Zero. So I, I don't want I don't want to spend any more time on it because in the end it didn't matter because there aren't enough bl blood pressure meds right yeah exactly but it, it's it's almost more 
the principle of the matter? Like, what if it, what if it was a tie game, or we were only up by three or six? Right. Because Hemfield scored on this possession right. that they got back, right? After turning the ball over, so it, it was just very odd. The entire second half was not well controlled. No, it was it was not well officiated. No, there were absurd calls and you mentioned the one on jack on the one touchdown he literally was engaged on the guy the entire time did not do anything that you are not allowed to do and the hemfield player didn't like that he got pushed around on his back it seemed like a you you blocked too hard you blocked too hard yeah well not not illegal no not illegal well we've seen that at our middle school you blocked too hard we've had a very aggressive say that to us he hit him too hard he, he hit him too hard yeah troy corson hit him too hard yeah. That's not a penalty. Was it a legal hit? Yes. But it was too hard. That's not a penalty. Right. Like you you don't get to take control of the game and the officials apparently wanted to make it known that they they were in control but not in the way they're supposed to right. be in control. Right. It was just well, bonkers. And it really was. It, to be clear, it, it's just one of those things too where it's it's tough because there's obviously going to be times where I disagree. You know what I mean? Like that that's the no. reality of sports. Right. So I, I'm going to disagree. There's the a difference. process of how you came to some of these and the explanations being given or not given are not like that doesn't stand up, you know? And right. so, you know, if I, I don't know, there's was, lots of things. It was very fresh. You know, it's, it's like that, you know, you watch the games today and or think about almost any replay you see for NFL games and the like, you know, half the people are like, oh, it shows this. And the other half are like, no, it shows this or, you know, like. There's room for that, right? And and that's that's always going to exist. There's gray areas but, and things open to interpretation. But when you but don't, these, throw, this was when not you, that. When you don't throw a flag, and then you spot the ball for the other team, Ch- literally change possession. The change had moved, right. which comes from the officials, right? And then you go back and be like, "Oh wait, I meant to throw a flag." That doesn't it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You don't get to go back and be like, oh, I I messed up on that last play. No, the play's over. Like, you had your chance to call it. You didn't do it. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I, I, I'm i trying to censor myself as much as possible to not. I know. I, you know, I don't want to sound I don't want to sound bitter because, again, Wilson won. It, right. But th- that, that was ridiculous. Right. That, that specifically. The other ones, you want to fight about. Fine. Right. They, they were fall, the they were they, the wrong call. They fall in that category. But it's kind of like they made right. a judgment call. Still think it was the wrong judgment call. It was bad and right. frustrating. But at least it's at that point where that's what they think they saw. Right. Okay. This one is it, you don't get a pass on this one. Right. It's the entire process was absurd. Um, but as as your uh, your dad alludes to, are we risking a fine by the league? You know. <laughs> um, I do want to just put it out there that. This is not associated with the Wilson School District uh, in any way. We appreciate the access that the football team gives to us, uh, but we do not speak for the team or the coaches uh, in, in any way. Um, so, yeah, if that has to be said. And and then look, and you, Justin, you and I talked about this after the game. Being an official is a thankless job. Oh, it's awful. And it is not a job I would ever want. But there is an accountability that comes with it. And it, that, that was just bad. Um, it was just bad. And I appreciate the, 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 the men and women that are officials across 
P- the PIAA landscape. But the only reason that the games can take place. Right. And we, right. and we need them. And it was right. officials appreciation week and we right. saw a lot of great posts about it. Um, so I, I don't want to, I don't want to beat a dead horse or, or worry about it anymore, but it was, it was a part of the game that I knew a lot of people would like to see if they didn't see it already. Well, I've been asked so. about it multiple times all weekend. Uh, well, there you go. Um, so, someone's asking now if uh, they'll send the game field of the weird, weird penalty to the PIAA. No, I, 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 it does. I, I don't think PIAA has anything to do with that. I assume it would go to the officials yeah, group and, and, in the and area. That already exists, and they already do that kind of stuff. But, like, no, I guarantee our guys Just have moved, moved on. They've moved they've on moved from on. it after the end of the game. They now, absolutely moved on from if it. If it was at a pivotal point in a close game that could have, like, directly led to a loss, it probably would be sticking in their side a little bit more um but like justin said i i believe they probably moved on i'm not sure much has been said about it no. after friday night no. like once the weekend came and especially now no. that they're prepping for penn manor we, they've we, moved on the fandom part of it is here on right the yeah show. this is that's us talking that's our department what mm-hmm. we got to see and we have two different vantage points i had it from the sideline you have it from up in the box it looked ridiculous in both the vantage points and um that's it because I, I, I want to move on. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But for those of you that hadn't seen it, there you go. Hopefully you were watching. Um, and if not, if you're listening to this podcast version only, audio only, find us on YouTube and pull it up and watch it there. Or go watch the game stream. Again, High School Sports Live was there and has it on their YouTube page. Okay. So let's cover some stats because there are some great performances, Justin, throughout the Wilson win. Uh a lot of people could have gotten player of the game this week. It was a tough, tough call. It, it was hard because the defense struggled at times. They gave up actually a massive amount of receiving yards to one player. Uh, gave up 299 in the game uh, from Jackson Landis. He was 27 of 40, 43 passes, 27 of 43 for 299 yards and two touchdowns. However, 16 of those 27 completions and 203 of those 299 yards and one of the two touchdowns went to Micah Gates, who we talked about on this show, well, last year after they beat us, and this year, last week leading up to this game, that he was their most important player. That was the most important tandem, Landis to Gates. Yeah. Wilson didn't stop it. No. It did. They didn't let it hurt or ruin the game, but they were not able to to corral Micah Gates. Sixteen catches, two hundred three yards, and a touchdown, including a long of forty seven. So again, uh, Landis to Gates was a thorn in the Bulldogs' side. Thankfully, they will unlikely to see it again. Those those players are both seniors, both very talented players, doing a lot, keeping their team in the game, uh, especially in that second half. Yeah, they played well. Like they they played well. There just didn't seem to be enough around them to keep pace oh, with everything that Wilson has thrown their way, especially on offense. And in general, they couldn't stop us. Like right, exactly. Tommy Hunsiger was sixteen of twenty three, two hundred ninety yards, four touchdowns. He had a long of eighty yards. That one went to Maddox Gruber, four catches, one hundred twelve yards, two touchdowns. Both of those players up for Player of the Week in the. Uh, penlive.com voting so head to penlive.com i've posted the link or i retweeted the link on on twitter so check out that and vote in the penlive pa football player of the week poll and both tommy hunsaker and maddox gruber up for that award 
Early in the game, Tommy was looking towards Jackson Wagner. He had four catches for 72 yards. Edison Case only ended up with two catches for 44 yards, but one of them was a touchdown. Cam Zulinger also had a catch for a touchdown in the second half. On the ground, Corral Akings took over there. He ended up with 131 yards on 10 carries and two touchdowns. So you're starting to hear the names right there of uh, of people up for our player of the game. Defensively, um, Gruber also flying around there. uh, Seven total tackles for him. Logan Kurzweig had seven and a half tackles. Uh, one for loss. Austin Valukiewicz had six and a half, one for loss, a pass breakup. Gruber had two breakups as well. Uh, freshman Michael Glover had five and a half tackles, two of those for loss, including the team's only sack of the game. And we had a couple block kicks. Now, this these are both credited to Jonah. Uh, however, I'm pretty sure the field goal block was by Jack Dendel, from what I could tell, from what I've seen. Okay. I thought I hit his I, his see, paw at the line. Th- I'm watching through the screen, so I couldn't. I, I couldn't I, really tell. I, and he was the one celebrating pretty hard. Now maybe maybe Jonah also got a piece of it. Yeah, I don't, but it I don't definitely know. sounded like it thumped against the lineman. And I know I have a picture that looks like the ball is being blocked by Jack. But maybe maybe Jonah got a piece of that as well. Jonah definitely got a piece of an extra point later, which I believe is after he was encouraged to go a little harder on the next one on another punt or, or an extra point attempt that they thought he could have gotten and he got the next one. Right. So, uh, and obviously we know Jonah got a block against Roman Catholic that he returned for a touchdown in game uh, one. He, and he also had an interception. Jonah did also have an interception. interception and, uh, Eddie, Eddie case, Edison case also yeah. coming down with an interception. Um, and Adam Woods interception overruled by the officiating crew. So, Again, a, a lot of guys that could have gotten this award, it could have gone anyway. All of them in consideration have gotten it before. Uh, felt like it should have gone to an offensive guy, though, tonight just because of the way that they, they move the ball at ease. And I will probably get slack for this one because it's now the second time in a row and third time this season. But in the end, that's the way the offense goes and he is all for player of the week. So it's going to go to Tommy Hunsaker again, 290 yards and four touchdowns have a lot to do with that. Yeah. And he is having a sneaky good season for the Bulldogs. I mean, we've talked about it already, but he's starting to put together one of the better all time seasons for a Wilson quarterback. Yeah. And he's got at least three games to go. And, and if he can get, more. if he can get two, three, four touchdowns a game, he's going to be, pushing uh he's actually so i believe i told you he's at 17 touchdowns for the okay. season uh so from total his touchdowns arm. or passing touchdowns? that's passing touchdowns okay, yeah. so i think he only needs like six or seven more to surpass to move into second place in the single season passing book and he would be surpassing assistant coach chad henney who currently is in second place with the single season passing touchdown record because he was beat out by jake templin in 2014 who owns the season record of 30 uh now that team got to play 15 games uh we'll see how many games this team gets to play uh chad did that i believe that was his 2002 year my senior year and we played 13 games no sorry we played 12 games that year so he threw I think it was 22 or 23 uh, in, in that 2002 season. Jake Templin had 30 in 2014. Tommy Hunsaker already up to 17 with at least three games to go. Hopefully, probably four. 
So if he can get two or three a game on average, you're, you're talking about mid to upper 20s. Yeah. So that, that'd be a heck of a season. Yardage-wise, too, uh, let me pull it up because I don't want to. I know I texted it to you, but let's see where he's at yardage-wise. 1,544 passing yards. So there are not too many Wilson quarterbacks that have thrown for over 2,000 yards in a season. So got a good shot. I say that. I, I I really I thought I had the stats book sitting here. I would have would have pulled pulled the stats book out. Hmm. It's not sitting next to me like I thought it was. Well, I'll have to look up to look into that. And next week I'll have to remember to have a list of the Wilson quarterbacks that have thrown for over two thousand yards in a season because Tommy is certainly on he's averaging two hundred and twenty yards a game. So if he maintains that pace, he would get almost to 2000 after week nine against McCaskey. If he right. throws for 220 against Penn Manor this week and McCaskey the following week, he would be all but at 2000 yards for the season with a, at least a game to go. So he is on pace to get uh, over 2000 yards passing. And that would that would nearly double his total from a year ago. And yeah. we know he's already surpassed his touchdown total from a year right. ago. Um, obviously, Tommy wasn't doing himself. We talked about how great of a game that Maddox Gruber had, uh, Edison Case, Jackson Wagner, and, and then those guys on, on defense. Oh, Corral Akings, yeah, over 100 yeah. yards rushing. A great performance on the ground. I know people have been very disappointed with the lack of a ground game or a consistent ground game. Corral was the guy this week. Uh, Nick Fiorini missed the game due to an illness. So... It was Corral the whole way. He was the guy getting the bulk of the carries, and uh, and it, it worked in his favor. He went over a hundred yards. A very strong performance from the sophomore sophomore running back. Um, yeah, it was just him and Tommy were the only ones that had a carry. So, yeah, I don't, Justin. You have anything else to say about Wilson, the Wilson victory over Hempfield? No, um, you know I. I felt like they needed, they did what they needed to do. Um, so that was good. Um, you know, I felt like they played better than they did against Mifflin. I know that may not show in all of right, the especially, stats. Especially initially. Right. I know that, that may not show in all the stats, but um, yeah, I think, I, I yeah, I, I think they're, they're doing, they're doing just fine. Um, continue to get better. You have Penn Manor this week. Um, I know Penn Manor, well, yeah, we'll talk about them in, in a few minutes, but, um, you know, Penn Manor team beat the Hempfield team, so you can't take them lightly. Right. Um, but you know, we, we need to focus on us, you know, and continue to get better on the things that we need to do. Um, and then I, I feel like the rest of the stuff will sort itself out. Like if, if Wilson handles their business you know, it kind of falls where it falls and, and we'll see, we'll go from there, but we'll definitely be playing games in November if, if that's the case. Right. So I, it's up to us, you know, it doesn't really matter who's, who's lined up across from us. It, it, if we do what we can do, I think, I think we're in a pretty good spot. Well, um, we said, you know, after Wilson dropped to O and two, we pre- preached patience and staying calm because Everything was still on the table. You just have to take care of the business in front of you. The team has responded with five wins. A win is a win. doesn't matter if they're always 
pretty. Uh, I don't know if you would say any of them were a perfect effort. It's tough to play a perfect game when there's so many moving parts. Some were better than others. Um, obviously, Cheltenham started great, didn't finish great. Reading was, you know, by and large, a, a strong effort. Um, may, maybe the most complete game. Also, which is really weird. Which one did you say? The Reading game. Oh, sorry. sorry. Not the Cheltenham sorry. game. Yeah, that's, Cheltenham that's, was, was super... Well, that right, whole right. MLK right, to Cheltenham right, right. and the, the... Yeah, that was just all super weird. Uh, Reading, pretty pretty good. Yeah. Cedar yeah. Crest, pretty good first half. Struggled a bit in the second half. Mifflin, kind of struggled throughout, but able to weather the storm, get the win. Hempfield, great start. Best start they've had this year. Oh, absolutely. 21 nothing, getting it done in all phases. And then they just things just kind of faded despite being up 21 at halftime second half again. And there is that weird stuff with the, the officials, but it wasn't that's it just felt like a weird game again, two weeks in a row, really three weeks in a row going back to Cedar Crest when we were sweating it out in the second half. Um, so we'll see what happens here at Penn Matter. I really thought the Hemfield game certainly well, started Cheltenham out was before that. So Cheltenham before, before Reading. Yeah. Yeah, so the Cheltenham game, then Reading, right? Yep. And then Cedar, Cedar Crest. Crest and, yeah, yeah, so like, man, lots right. of weird so ones. five wins, but I don't think anyone is satisfied oh, no. with the performance Which by and large. honestly where I want to be, though. Like, right, I, I no, don't, I don't yeah. want to have already peaked. Right. And, and like our, our friend Andy Herr, you know, I mentioned he does the uh, Saturday or Sunday updates around the LL League and says that, you know, you're getting your best from Wilson in Week 10. and. Kind of would be great if that happened this season. So. Yeah, that's uh, would certainly use it in week ten. Yes, that would that would be a good time to have it. All right, so that's it for our Hempfield recap. We will move on now to week eight, game number eight in twenty twenty three, and that one will be against the Penn Manor Comets. They will come to Gursky riding a three game winning streak after starting the season zero and four and being shut out in the first three weeks against Conestoga Valley, Lampeter, Strasburg, and Solanco. They then lost to Cedar Crest in South Lebanon before traveling down to Shirk Stadium to take on Redding and pull that one out in overtime, 28-27. They then pulled a shocker a week later in Millersville against Hempfield, 23-19. This week they went to Daniel Boone and won that one 14-10. That's quite a drive for them. That was a long time on the bus, yeah, but yeah. after you at least get they a win, one point at 10 a.m. on a Saturday. That's right. That's right. Uh, so Penn Manor, three-game winning streak, sitting at three and four. And because those three games have, well, because two of those three games have come against a, a league opponent, um, they're actually on the top part of the league standings, yeah. uh, beating Reading and Hempfield. So um, Wilson and Township in front of them, but Penn Manor in the next pack right behind them. They've who got do, who do they play before Township? Us. <laughs> they they play us before Township. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. I was, saw that as a separate line oh, where no, it no. says West Lawn. Oh, I can no, see no, it was no. the L, and I couldn't think of a team that was L. That nope, that's short. us. Okay. So Wilson West Lawn, which is listed yeah, on yeah. EasternPAFootball.com. That's us this week, October thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth. Hopefully, no Friday scaries for the Wilson team, and they can get just take care of business against the Comets, who Wilson has never lost to. Uh, 31 or 32 and, and oh, 
never dropped a game to Penn Manor. Let's, let's keep that intact. Uh, yeah, that, that is another streak that I hope continues this week, and uh, we'll see what happens. But it, it looked like a lost season and a downright terrible season for Penn Manor after being shut out for the first three weeks. Yeah. That's tough. Now, yeah. I know, especially those first two games were with really good team against really good teams. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you definitely don't want to be shut out for the first, oh, what, 16 quarters. And that was actually well, longer. And, and then you were still blown out in week four. Right. Yeah, you got you lost by, what, 29 or something. 42, right. 13, I right. think it was. So it was a little bit rough, but they started to get things going. That, that upset of Hemfield last week certainly got people's attention. I remember when yeah. you texted the, uh, the tweet update yeah. to me, I, I couldn't believe it. It was not something I wanted, having to go play Hemfield <laughs> the next week. Uh, you knew they were going to give us the best shot, which Wilson on the line on the schedule always seems to get the best from people. But I don't ever like the opponent we're playing to lose the week before. No, it just that's not something that I that I want. In terms of the comments, uh, they're not a pass first offense. They they like to run the ball, and they've been doing it with uh, a few guys in the backwards. By and large, it's been uh, the Smith duo, Willard Smith and Adrian Smith. Willard Smith leads the team in rushing attempts with 64 for 247 yards and its score. Adrian Smith has 37 attempts, but 323 yards and two touchdowns. Their main quarterback has been Kyle Fernier, 10 completions on 29 attempts, 258 yards, two touchdowns to four interceptions. His Favorite target is Josiah Torres, five catches, 192 yards, and three touchdowns on the year. But you can't ignore big Demir Wesley. He is a tight end defensive line, uh, a beast for the Penn Manor comments. He's the one you're going to want to keep an eye on. He has three catches, 70 yards, and one touchdown. But he does a lot of his work along the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, they got shut out by Conestoga Valley week one, 27-0. Got shut out against Lampeter Strasburg, 24-0. And then shut out by Solanco, 33-0, before breaking through for some scores against Cedarcrest and then winning the last three in a row. I feel like they're very similar to the team we've seen the last two years. Uh, it took them a little longer to get going this year. But I, I feel like what we're going to see is the same thing we've seen the last two years, which both were Wilson wins. Down, down in Millersville, by the way. This is the first time that Penn Manor has been to Wilson since 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. I, I mean, I feel like, again, kind of like I stated before, I feel like if Wilson does what they're supposed to do, I, I feel like we'll be okay. I, <laughs> It's up to us to do that, though. You know, like uh, it's completely in our control. You can't show up and and not take care of business uh, because then you could find yourself in a spot like Hemfield, you know, like where you're kind of scrambling and you don't want too many of those. Um, you know, I, I look back as crazy as the game was against Hemfield. We we had said we we were talking to people before the game, and we felt if we cut down on the turnovers, we win by multiple scores and. And what we happened? did. What Didn't happened? turn the ball over. And we won by multiple scores. Won by 15. Yeah. Right. Speaking of turnovers, Penn Manor averages two turnovers a game. Oh. They fumbled 16 times, gave it away eight of those 16 times. Also has thrown six interceptions right. on the season. So this team, the Penn Manor team is mistake prone on, on average. 
they are going to want to control the clock and ground and pound. If the defense can stop them, put the the ball in our playmakers' hands. This this should be a game that goes Wilson's way, but got to be clicking. Right, we've had a few games where we turned it over multiple times in the second half. You and, know, and let, kept, let teams hang around and close, stuff right. like that. So, but but look back to the Hemfield game. How big is it that we didn't turn it over? You know what I oh, mean? Yeah, like huge. in that game where we jumped up twenty one nothing, then it was kind of just like even in terms of scoring the rest of the way. It, that that's a big deal to not to not have that uh, kind of pop up on you, you know. So right. So Penn Manor is is relying mostly on their their lines, offensive defensive line. That's that's what the, the hope was coming into the season. Uh, they have a a good offensive line core in uh, Millisock, Sullenberger, Hess, Racher, and Hill. Uh, a mixture of underclassmen and seniors. I mentioned Demir Wesley. He has offers from Delaware and Villanova. Uh, he's their key returner on on offense, the only one that was putting up yardage for this team. Quarterback was a question entering the season, um, but we we covered the expectations there. They don't they don't like to throw the ball that often. Coach John Brubaker likes to set up the ground game, and that's where they've had success the last few weeks. Uh, Messing, messing and things I up over there. the mic. Um, yeah, so we we mentioned. Um, I'm trying to pick out a few more guys that have been singled out as players to watch. Uh, Mikey Hollister also running the ball, but playing a key spot along their linebacker core. Uh, Sakai Lewis, two way lineman. Uh, Kyle Schmidtke, uh, a fullback and linebacker as well. Mentioned Willard Smith already. Just mentioned Kyle Sullenberger and obviously Demir Wesley. He is the guy. Definitely want to pay attention to him. Uh, very, very strong two-way player for comments over the last few years. So we'll see what happens when Pam Manor comes to Wilson Gursky Stadium this Friday, kickoff at 7, not 7.05, like the delayed yeah. broadcast this past week at Hempfield. I mean, really, other than the delayed start, there was no like TV timeouts. No. There was a guy delaying the start. like yeah. It was like as if it was a college yeah, game. He was on the field. And I was like, oh, man, is this going to be like this whole game? It wasn't. The no. game was still ridiculously long, but it had nothing to do with the broadcast. Right. Right. It was just the way the game was going with a lot of offense, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of passing, a lot of incompletions, a lot of timeouts, a lot of officiating corrals, you know, t- talking about things. So just it was a very long game. Uh, hopefully it's not like that this week. Hopefully it's a normal amount of time and Wilson can take care of business, get to win six on the year, six in a row, get in a good spot in the section race and the District 3 playoffs. I think, Justin, next week may be a time that we can start talking about the power ratings. On the show, you mean? On the show, right. We've been talking (laughs) about power ratings since week four. But on the show, we can start talking about power ratings as we'll be eight games in to the season. And at that point, things have really started to clarify uh, well, like once again, man, there were some crazy scores coming in this week. Yeah, you know, so uh, one of them, the probably the biggest one in terms of six A District Three six A was Cumberland Valley upsetting Central Dolphin on a last second score. It was thirteen fourteen favor Central Dolphin uh, before Cumberland Valley scored with what was it like fifteen seconds left or something like yeah. that, and they won the game nineteen fourteen. 
Well, and I think one of those touchdowns by CD, I think, was a pick six. I think. I think you're right. I think you're right. So Cumberland Valley needed that big time. Yeah, they did. And that one hurts us because if we wanted to improve our power rating, we needed Central Central Dolphin Dolphin to keep keep winning. winning. Now they lost to State College. Now they lost to Cumberland Valley. They have a huge game week 10, like we do, against Harrisburg. That'll go a long way. Wait, they don't play CD East week 10 anymore. No, they play in week 9. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a natural – that could be a natural I feel like it used to be week 10 because there was years ago where – for the first time in, I think, like 13 years or something, CDs beat them. Maybe even longer. Right, right. This was going back now to probably like six, seven years right. that it happened, I think, was the first time that they had beaten their sister school. Right. I mean, that, that sets up a huge game, though. Yeah. So I understand. And it why will they be do Friday night because it's at Central Dolphin. Yeah. Wow. So, so as Wilson and Manheim Township are playing, Central Dolphin and Harrisburg will be playing. And actually, Central, Central York, York and, and York Penn. William Penn will be playing. So six teams vying for position positioning in the district 36a playoffs are all playing each other in week 10 wow and actually depending on how things go for them Dallastown and red lion play that night and they're both fringe for the playoffs the loser of that is most likely out the winner of that could be the eighth seed wow so very important games i wonder who cumberland valley plays that night i'm just trying to think and cedar crest they play lebanon yeah. yeah. Lebanon hasn't won a game in a few years. Yeah. Cedar Crest is going to win Crest that game easy. Destroy them. Uh, so, okay. We talked about this when we talked about power ratings a few weeks ago. My predictions were showing that despite a team beating another team, it doesn't mean you're going to be in front of them in the power ratings. Case in point, I'm not sure Wilson's going to jump Cedar Crest right. in the power ratings just because of the way things are going. Right. Even if we finish with an identical record, Cedar Crest is going to finish in front of us because of their non-league slate in terms of power rating is better than Wilson's. And that's something we can cover next week. I don't want to jump into a 20-minute talk about power ratings uh, right now as we're we're finishing the show. But the power ratings are always posted on PIAAD3.org under power ratings. They're mostly right. I already found a few things that weren't I shouldn't say right. They weren't up to date. They had missed a game, was not input. And I was pulling my hair out saying, why are my numbers not matching up with theirs? It's because their game wasn't updated. They missed a game with some 5A school. I forget who it was. And it was messing up my numbers. But my numbers were right because I included that game. Right. Obviously, this was like Friday, Thursday or Friday. I was like, how is that not updated? Right. I, I thought it was I, supposed to be updated by like, Monday. I think it's Tuesday. Okay. But it still, might be Monday. Why is it not? But like it was the Saturday. end of the week. And I was like, what's going on? Why is that game not updated? It didn't make any sense. But and, and it actually did change the way that right. things were sorted. That one that's a, how crazy it is. You know, I'm predicting the when we do the predictions, I'm predicting for like fifty teams every game, and obviously early in the season I'm predicting so many games. One game can make a huge difference on the power ratings. So they're both incredibly important and not important at all. <laughs> right. It's the way, way most things are. Sounds like I'm talking politics. <laughs> all right. Uh, Justin, anything else from Hemfield or Penn Manor? No, just uh, have a good week of practice. It's homecoming week. So um, lots of festivities going on in preparation and through that. Um, so, you know, have, have fun getting yourself ready for homecoming and uh, go out and have a good showing on a, 
at the homecoming yeah. football game. Uh, the So it's homecoming. It is Wilson Athletic Hall of Fame night where not one but two former Wilson football players are being inducted. I believe it's just two. I'm trying to think of everyone. Well, it's at least two. Pat Zerby, member of the 2008 uh, Western PA runners-up. District three champs, undefeated. One of the best teams best in Wilson team, history. Best team I've best seen. team Justin says he's seen, despite him right. stabbing me in the back all the time uh, <laughs> with that description. His teammate Rodney Hill also being inducted. Now, I don't know if Rodney will be there. He's kind of busy this time of year. Yeah. Uh, I believe at Duke right now. Correct? I think so. I think so. so he's having a great year. His team, wherever he goes, the teams are very good. I think that's a uh, pattern. I think we, uh, people need to... Yeah, pay attention. People in, in um, those making decisions need to pay attention. Collegiately, just recently, UCF, LSU, now Duke. He was with the Buffalo Bills. We, we, I talked to him via uh, email a few years ago when the Bills were playing the Chiefs in the uh, – I, I think that was the AFC Championship game. it was, game. yeah. Um, b- both great guys. Um, we'll have to get – well, I'd love to have them both on the show. We've done a text interview with Rodney. I'd love to get him on the show. Uh, now that uh, Patrick Zerby's back in coaching – Love to get him on the show, too. Uh, but they will both be inducted into Wilson Athletic Hall of Fame. Um, five o'clock Friday evening is like the official induction, but they will be recognized on the field at halftime of the game on Friday. Uh, and Patrick Zerby was also a guest this week on the um, Rich Garcella, Rich Garcella and Bob McCool Penn State yeah. uh, football podcast. And Patrick Zerby was a captain on the 2013 team uh, and had one of the, uh, yeah. the key roles on that team, a key block in that incredible overtime yeah, win against I've Michigan. I've told this story before, but I'm up in the upper level screaming, we're going to score Pat Zerby's in the game. <laughs> People are looking at me like, what? This dude, like, what? Are he you loves right? him, some fullbacks. Is he, is he okay? Yes, in true. Well, pa- and in we true. literally did because of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I wasn't wrong. For, was that for Belton? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't wrong. Like, I wasn't wrong. How Can you believe that was 10 years ago? Dude, let's not talk about that. <laughs> I told I've had this conversation with Pat too on the sidelines that him being there and like being back in the area as a full full grown like adult like he's not like with a family right right <laughs> like yeah that that's one of those that makes me feel real old. I chaperoned the trip he went on when he was on the Wawa. He went on the Wawa trip and I chaperoned that trip. No trip down memory memory lane. Well, we yeah. can do that when we get Zerby on the show uh, sometime. And I don't want just a post-game thing, too. I want, like, a sit-down. Right, right. I want to sit down and talk to him. Because I didn't get to see the 2018 very much. I saw him in the district championship game against Cumberland Valley. So I was living through your descriptions of the team that year. And and unfortunately, you got to let me know what happened in state college mm-hmm. in, the dist- or in the state semifinals, um, which I know many listeners of this program, watchers of this program, are still mad about honestly, how that went down. honestly. I don't know that a game that I didn't play in, so a high school game I didn't play in. I don't. That one, that one rocked me pretty hard. Like, you know, the games in Columbia when we lost, and I knew I was moving. Like those were tough, but that was like a personal thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that wasn't it. This like losing, like watching the kids lose that game was was a tough one. Tough, but, yeah. Overtime, multiple overtimes, right? Or was it just one? What's that? Was it more than I, one? I feel like time? it was multiple. Okay. I feel, but I don't know. Yeah. 
unfortunate. But the last thing I want to say here before I go is I got a notification on Monday that we had a voice message on the Spotify platform, Anchor.fm, which is Spotify for podcasters. And I knew that was an option. Uh, it's still an option. However, when I click on their link to listen to it, it doesn't take me to it. And I haven't been able to find it. And I've gone through a bunch of Q&As and messages, and it doesn't show up anywhere. So if you are football dad 7 that's who left this the voicemail, I'm not not playing it or listening to it because I don't want to or that I listened to it and didn't like what you said. I have no idea what you said because I haven't been able to get to it. Um, so if that's you, send us a message <laughs> uh, through like Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram of what you wanted to say, and, and we can get to it that way. Until I can figure out why Spotify for Podcasters, Anchor, isn't giving me my voice messages, I, I can't address whatever it is you wanted to say. So hopefully we can figure it out or you reach out to us in another way. But I did want to say we're not ignoring you. We did sort of get it. We got a notification that we received it, but we cannot access it, and that that's kind of a problem. So, all right. I think that is it. Once again, congratulations to the Bulldogs team for winning their fifth game in a row, but also to assistant coach Jeremy Palm for winning number 200 in his career as an assistant coach with the Bulldogs. Awesome feat. And like I said, we are definitely tracking down Jeremy to get to talk to him this week, this Friday night, homecoming Athletic Hall of Fame against Penn Manor, kickoff at 7 o'clock at Gursky Stadium. All right. I think that is it. So for Justin Raffoff and the entire Wilson football team, I'm Joe Mays. Until next time, remember, go Go Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hours, a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.